They reduced the human body to human. I don't, I don't think I'm asked Tyler start for me, Lieutenant. Not really, not anymore. Hey everybody, welcome to Trek Trudge Discovery episode. What episode are we up to, James? We are on episodes 10 and 11. 10 and 11. So it's the 10th Mm -hmm. episode of the podcast, which will encompass the 10th and 11th episodes of Star Trek Discovery. You know, it might be the 9th, because I think we did the first two episodes in one. Yeah, you're probably right about that. That sounds right. (laughs) So um, I've had a little bit of a lag in um, recording podcasts because I had a baby. Yes. Yeah. That'll that'll do it. Yeah. I'll, I'll have you know I've, I've been very busy as well. Mm-hmm. I, I took several long walks. Well, you went to Japan for a while. That's something. Yes. I was also kind of hoping you would uh, like con- congratulate me. You know, I don't, I don't know. Oh, congratulations <laughs> on uh, having a, a child. This is Thanks. excellent news. That I'm hearing for the first time. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like sort of like part of the uh, the theater of the cast. Ah, uh, yes. It's like sort of these conversational pleasantries I'm, have to play themselves. I'm, I'm I'm very proud um, uh, to have been named the the child's godfather. Yeah. Well, if anything happens to me, it's on you. So. No get, problem. Get with it, pal. Um. So as a result of that. Uh, Oh, by the way, this is James Jeeves, and I'm Byron Hussey. Hey, I'm James Jeeves. Uh, as a result of that, we're having to compress two episodes of Star Trek Discovery into one episode of Star Trek Discovery. I mean, mm-hmm. Trek Trudge Discovery. That's where we are with it now. We may or may not be doing a, a discussion also of the premiere episode of the fourth season of Black Mirror called um, The USS Callister. Mm-hmm. Which is a Star Trek parody, um, so that's very yep. exciting too. Very exciting. So this, was... yeah. So um, go ahead. Uh, uh, like a lot happens all at once in these mm-hmm. two new episodes. It's like they were saving it all up for this um, second half of the first season, right? Yeah. So that that first episode, I think, is the debut of um, of Jonathan Frakes directing Discovery. That's unless pretty he did exciting. Like, unless he did the time loop episode or something. Yeah, right. that rings a bell. He might have done that, or it might have been somebody else involved. In uh, yeah, it might have been him or not him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, so now the cat's out of the bag on on just about everything. Where yep, we're in the mirror universe, and uh, yep, uh, Tyler is a is a Klingon. Yeah. How how surprised we were to learn this information. Uh, do you feel that they were dragging that arc out? just a little bit too long to get it yeah. to this halfway season point. I think, you know, they were dragging it out a little bit too long to get here, but also within these two episodes, they dragged out <laughs> the reveal. It was like, it was agony because we've known it for so long. And they even revealed it in the, uh, in episode 10, uh, mm-hmm. partially. And then they fully revealed it in episode 11, but it was like, mm-hmm. There were all these weird situations where it was like he was speaking Klingon and mm-hmm. like 
there was a scene where he went kind of apeshit and Sarek was there and Sarek did a mind meld on Michael Burnham, but he'd like, yeah, but... It's like mind meld the other guy. Just, he just attacked him. <laughs> just do it. Then we'll get the reveal out of it. And then, nope. He's just going to go away. Um, yeah. But it's, I think um... we're burying the lead a little bit because we are in the, yeah. mirror, the mirror universe, right? Yeah. Uh, so this first episode, despite yourself, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not sure entirely what that, refers to i guess it's um i think it's a uh sarah mclaughlin album well that'd be it huh um uh and the 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 fun thing that i noticed in this episode was uh uh captain tilly's nickname in in the um in the mirror universe captain killy yeah that was good uh, reminds me a little bit of killary clinton <laughs> she she does have a uh quite a Quite a trail of bodies behind her. Um, so I, yeah, I thought they were, with the, they were uh, um, the Whitewater, uh, Whitewater fiasco. Right, yeah, yeah. The, the the Vince, Vince, yep, all those Ru- guys. Ruby Ridge, um, was she involved in Ruby Ridge? I don't think so. Um, so I, I think these guys were probably writing in like, uh, like early 2017 or whenever Discovery was produced. Maybe it was even earlier. Uh, so this was probably still a little fresh in in the mind. I think it was probably unrelated, to be honest. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, now I um, I've still been watching the the original series to try and get all these references as they pop up, but I still haven't gotten up to the one where they're in the mirror universe, right. mirror mirror. Um, so I feel like there's probably a lot of uh, Easter eggs fun stuff that I'm missing here. Yeah. Um, I know, for instance, that they talk about the Defiant um, mm-hmm. in in this episode, which uh, I know that was when they did their nostalgia episode in um, uh, Enterprise. They went aboard the USS Defiant, and that okay. was their excuse to have all is, the all the. Old what is sets. the uh, what is the history of the Defiant? Are we familiar with the ship? Uh, well, I'm not because I haven't seen Enterprise or the original series up to that point, but uh, it's a constitution class ship. So it's the old gag of it's the same class as, as the, as the show ship. So you don't mm-hmm. have to build a new set. Right. Um, except they would have had to build a new set for enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it gets involved in some like time universe shenanigans mm-hmm. uh, and it gets put where it shouldn't be. Okay. And it's, it's just an excuse for, you know, for you to go on and see the old old ship. So the the mirror universe is very much canon, and I'm not familiar with it explicitly or specifically because I've not seen the episode mm. either. But I think it's pretty famous, and it's within our sort of understanding of like the sci-fi zeitgeist, right? It's like they go yeah. to another dimension, and it's full of evil versions of themselves, basically. Yeah, it's a, it's a classic trope because you can reuse all your sets, you can reuse all your actors, etc. Mm-hmm. I have seen the um, the Voyager and Deep Space Nine episodes set in the mirror universe, so I so, I, I get what it's about. So basically, it's like um, we're in this sort of like 21st century reboot of well, not reboot, but like sort of reboot of Star Trek, where mm. we have this sort of we're sort of trying to anchor it within the modern context of sort of prestige television. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like it's interesting because they're kind of pulling in this very uh, campy 
sci-fi yeah. trope. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think um, people have been like waiting for that though. It was like um, when we hit the time loop episode, it was just kind of like a breath of fresh air. It's like, oh, you know, not everything's not like serious and like murder yeah. uh, anymore. You know, like something fun's happening. Yeah. So I think that's okay. I should say I I, th- I really like it a lot. I like I like yeah. where it's gone the last couple of episodes. Um, it is yep. like I think we should say in terms of sort of like realistically thinking of other universes, can we really imagine that this would be possible? That like mm. everything would be the same, their names would be the same, but yeah. they would be evil. Like, wouldn't so much it's have a- to be different that they would probably not have been born? It's a it's a stretch, and it's a stretch beyond um, the suspension of disbelief. I think probably, they, but... they they lampshaded it right because Michael Burnham had that conversation with um, Captain Lorca, Lorca, where basically mm-hmm. she said, "Wow, there's like evil versions of us here." It kind of makes you believe in destiny, or maybe it was the other way around. Maybe Lorca said that. Lor- yeah, Lorca said that to her. Um, was that lampshading? I yeah, I was, guess because basically it's um, like, it stretches it it beggars belief, right? Mm, um, uh, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, just the, the the thing is, it's a matter of pragmatics when you're making a a sci-fi show. Is you know you have to have everything there to put on the screen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, you yeah, know, no, they, I, I mean, I I I will allow it completely. I I just think <laughs> it's interesting that mm-hmm. it's modern sci-fi, but it's not feeling the. Ne- yeah. nece- it necessary to sort of totally anchor it within like totally modern scientific understandings and logic mm. and so on. It's, yeah, it's happy to um, sort of wade into sort of fantasy. Fanta- you uh, can uh, you can uh, perhaps justify it uh, by saying to yourself that well, there are an infinite number of quantum you know realities that account for every quantum probability outcome. Um, mm. And so it makes sense that the ones that would be linked together are the ones that are more similar because they'd be closer together in uh, right. in the you know. But that would be in like, the quantum sphere. That would be like the Federation exists. You know, everybody's on the same ship, but uh, but like something slightly different. A few things are tweaked to the left a few weeks ago, right? It wouldn't be like because yeah. like if you, if you're all born in a different country or like um, system of like on a different planet, like even like. You're not gonna have the same parents. You're not gonna. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's too different. It's like the butterfly and, effect, you know. Yeah, and you're not gonna build the exact same ships with the exact yeah. same technologies because your your R and D would have gone in different directions if you'd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you know, here we are, and what a what a fun time you can have, regardless. Yeah. So um, they figure out pretty quickly what's going on, um, which I like. I don't. I like how yep. it's not like they're not like dropping clues, and then like it takes the whole episode for them to figure out what mm-hmm. the audience already uh, knows. Like, unlike oh my god, thing. <laughs> yeah, they're like, um, okay, we're in another universe. Uh, there's another ship. Let's get its uh, computer. Uh, like, okay, it's like mm-hmm. an evil universe. Okay, let's go from. Oh there. yeah, sure. <laughs> huh. Um, yeah, I I wonder uh, the extent to which maybe this was Frakes' influence. I know that we've um, uh, been over that TV directors don't really control much in the way of the direction of the show, but um, it, it, there just seemed to be a lot of, like, just kind of saying the obvious thing that everyone was thinking uh, in this first episode. Like, for instance, mm-hmm. um, uh, when Lorca points out Dr. Patient 
relations. Like you're not supposed to be treating someone that you're like in love with. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's something that I couldn't get over from previous episodes. And like, it, it was good to just, you know, well, yeah, obviously that's, yeah, that's true. And we're saying it. Doing that all along. Like now it's, now it's coming up finally. Yeah. And uh, there was one other instance of it as well, but I can't remember, um, uh, what that was, but it's like, you know, they're, they're saying obvious stuff a lot in this episode. I just wonder if that's like a directorial decision. Maybe. Maybe. Um, another, uh, so I think one of the, one of the, um, the features of the mirror universe from, mm. uh, Star Trek, the original series was that like, uh, Spock had like a evil goatee or something. Mm. Um, what were some of the, uh, inversions in the uh, mirror universe, uh, in this, look, uh, um, in this Captain Killy has like a like a hella badass haircut, mm-hmm. uh, and Sarek does have a uh, like some sort of facial hair thing going on, kind yeah, of like what's, like it, what's it called when it goes all the way around? Is that a goatee? Uh, yeah, it's a goatee. Okay. Um. Gee. Uh. Everyone else. Oh, uh, well, there's there's one big reveal at the end. I was I was wondering, hey, where's where's Captain Giorgio when she's mm-hmm. going to show up? Yeah. And uh, yeah. that's, that's the reveal at the end of uh, episode eleven, the Wolf Inside. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, gosh, I'm I'm pleased to see her again. Yeah, she was uh, she was good too. Like she really she really carried it off. She's the Emperor of Terra. The Terran Empire mm-hmm. just can't um, stay dead. Yeah. So it seems to be that there is a um, sort of a uh, really absolute like inversion of levels of goodness because like Giorgio was this like pinnacle of everything that was great about Starfleet and like this total mm-hmm. you know mentor and hero to all these people in in the primary timeline. So like the inverse of that is that like, she's like the most evil and cruel person. Mm-hmm. That sort of brings me to a question for you mm. about Lorca, because it's revealed that Lorca is actually a good guy <laughs> in the media. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think um, the theory about it, because we, we still remember that uh, he pushed the coordinates surreptitiously at the end of, the mid-season finale. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I I think he's he's probably one of one of the mirror universe guys. Right. I'd still go with that. So he is the actual actually the mirror universe Lorca, and the good Lorca from the primary timeline somehow got lost in the mirror universe. Mirror universe, um, possibly mm-hmm. on the um, uh, what's the ship we were talking about earlier. Uh, oh, the Defiant. Defiant, yeah, that's what I was right. wondering. Like, the Defiant is there. It's clearly from the primary timeline. Do you think that was how Lorca got mm. into into this universe? Interesting. Hmm. Yep. That that sounds like it. I think um, we we're probably gearing up for a nostalgia episode because you kind of have to do those mm-hmm. uh, where they will, you know, go on board and see everything the way that it used to be. And oh gosh, why not? Just tug it out of the heartstrings, yeah. as we remember. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but that sounds plausible. So, Lorca ends up in the mirror universe. Uh, this is the theory. This is theory crafting still. But uh, mm. so he ends up in the mirror universe. He's like appalled by what he finds. He uh, he pres- presumably he thinks he's stuck there forever. So he starts mm-hmm. like trying to fix this universe. He becomes mm-hmm. he takes over for his own double. He mm-hmm. um leads he betrays the empire. He starts uh working with the uh the, the resistance yeah. and so on and uh and and, and I on think and on um I think they probably switched when he uh escape potted from the Baran. Uh, and then he blows the ship up. Oh, that's right. The, at the Battle of the Binary Stars. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't Was know what the Baran is. I don't. <laughs> the... You gotta, you gotta have to tell. <laughs> what is the Baran? So remember, Lorca had a ship before the Discovery called the USS Baran that he blew up with oh, all his crew on board yeah. because I, he didn't I want thought... them to suffer the indignity of capture. I thought that was at the Battle of the Binary Stars. Uh, maybe it was. I think yeah. it was at just some point in the Klingon War. Mm. I think it was just the Battle of the Binary Stars. It was a battle. Yeah, <laughs> why not? I remember the other obvious thing that they said, which was um, uh, the PTSD regulations. Uh, oh, yeah. Dr. Dr. Colbert says, hey, you know, if you have PTSD, like I have to ground you. And, and, and uh, Tyler says to to Burnham earlier that um, he'd have to he'd have to get treated at a Starfleet medical or whatever. And it's like, obviously, yes. But mm-hmm. in the previous episodes, we were going like, hey, it's fucking 500 years in the future. Why haven't they figured out PTSD yet? Yeah. Yeah, it's odd. And like, like they, they weren't even like sort of proactively accounting for it, considering he's just mm-hmm. some rando they uh, pulled off of a ship from being tortured for years. <laughs> They're like, you're promoted. Mm, it's um, like we're we're having some retconning, retcons, retroactive continuity. Another question, which would have quickly led to some other good questions, was was mm. like, who was he in the Mir universe? Of course, that was answered for us. He was Vok, mm. but why did nobody He's ask? A Klingon. Like, oh, uh, they probably just assumed he was a dead loser. Yeah, I guess so. It's a, it's too bad. Um, uh, I like. Did they like kill a human that they had and then replace him? We we still haven't figured that out. That wasn't clear, but I think it seems like they. Yeah, so that's. I guess that's not really answered. Like whether or not the replacement consciousness was originated in another person, or whether it's totally fabricated. I mean, I th- I think it's fabricated. It's like a, an artificial overlay, but uh, like they had a, a historical record of like a Lieutenant Tyler, right? So maybe, maybe they swapped him out. Mm. Confusing. Maybe they had um, uh, Tyler on that prison ship. The um, uh, the the lengths that like Colbo goes to examining him, uh, before he figures out that that uh, like. He's well. He doesn't figure out that he's a Klingon, but that something's up. Um, is uh, odd in comparison to the instantaneous uh, scanning that that Doctor McCoy does of the Klingon spy in the trouble with the triples and just goes, <laughs> "This man's a Klingon, Jim." Oh, uh, that's, but I guess uh, 
That's a few few yeah. years later, isn't it? Yeah, ten years later, they yeah. had, like figured it out. Better tricorders. Mm. Um. So yeah, so it was a uh, um pretty cool uh overall. Uh, what what have we not touched on that is important to touch on? The costume design. You, okay, so they have these like um gold things that they wear over their like shoulders and they just like kind of slope and leave half of the you'd think they would wear full body armor seeing as how often they stab each other yeah that's true in the mirror universe that would be smart and they have like replicators right they could just make the armor Mm. computer make me a stab proof armor for my protection it's a little confusing but um hey whatever you like I guess I wonder to what extent the um the uniforms that they're wearing here match the mirror mirror uniforms. And I could answer this if only I had watched yeah. that episode. I'll just do a quick Google and let you know. So Star um, Trek mirror, mirror images. Looks like they're like uh, sleeveless in some cases for Kirk. Nice. Sleeveless. For Spock, you get like a, it's like a kind of like a, Oriental garb. Okay. <laughs> they're not. Um, they're not too uh, different from the uh, the regular uniforms. I, I guess they're totally different, but they just look cheap, you know. So. Yeah. Kind of thing. Great. Uh, one one last note is that I I like uh, scripts where uh, the writing is sufficiently sophisticated that characters um, say I love you to each other without actually saying I love you. Uh, I think I saw that in like another. Oh, I think it was in "Call Me by Your Name," mm-hmm. uh, the the gay movie with um, Army Hammer that just came out. I think they do the same thing that Michael and um, and Tyler uh, like. The, the, you know, they just have a conversation where they say, "You know, I'm I'm saying the thing," and and y- y- the audience gets it because they just do a little thinking about it. I, I enjoy mm-hmm. that. Do you think that I in the mirror universe, um, mm. like sexual orientation s- swaps also? Uh, yes, uh, we know that there are evil lesbians in the mirror universe. Interesting. So that would be like the the predominant homosexual would be the predominant sexual proclivity, correct? Yeah, homosexuality in complement with its natural counterpart, evil. Right. <laughs> So one could envisage that the homosexual ruling class within this universe is sort of enslaving Mm -hmm. the straight people in, like, um, reproductive, uh, like, factory farms or something. How do I get a ticket to this damn universe? (laughs) Sounds sounds really hot. Yep. Okay. Stick me in that torture chamber. Episode 11. Fan fiction. Uh, Continue. Yeah. The wolf inside. Um, uh, there is some lampshading that I thought was funny in this one where um, uh, Burnham is giving her equivalent of a captain's log, but like she can't give it because there's no log to make. She's on, you know, enemy ship, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says that even the lighting here is different. And the lighting that they've been using reminded me of, uh, have you seen Generations, the movie? Yes. Uh, it was it was the next gen sets that they used for that because they just you know made it straight after they 
uh, or maybe even at the same time that they were making the, the the final episode, but they all the lighting was like upgraded to like cinema quality, and they had these like bright yellow lights that they shone through the windows to make it look like a sun, and it was mm-hmm. like very a- atmospheric. And it's the same deal here. It was like different lighting, same sets, and she goes, even the lighting is different. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> it's a little it, um, for the fans. It's kind of lucky that it's like they can eat all the the food and breathe the same like oxygen in this universe. Yeah, seeing as their quantum signatures are like different. Yeah. You think that like everything you touch would be poison. There was an episode of Next Generation, I think, or maybe one of the other shows where somebody yeah. sh- shrank down um to a small size. That's um, Deep Space 9. Yeah, DS9. And they like mm-hmm. observed like you're not going to be able to breathe the air because like the molecules are too big for your lungs. Yeah, and that's like an interesting thing you wouldn't think of when you're like thinking of like yeah. fun you could have with a shrink ray. Like you would just yeah immediately because <laughs> there's only like two ways to shrink things. You can either like reduce the space between the atoms, in which case you're just a tiny, very heavy thing, or um, you can just take some atoms out of it here and there yeah. and like who wants to volunteer to have that done to them yeah it's actually it's all it's also t- touched on in a neil neil stevenson book called huh. anathem which is actually also about um interdimensional travelers um and one of the one of the problems with these travelers is that they cannot um eat any of the food in the universe they end up in because it's just all slightly different sort of molecular on a molecular level that they, they just can't can't digest it. Yeah. I I did not know that you were into hard sci-fi. I like, um, I like Neil Stevenson. That's, that's neat. Yeah. It's a a good book. It's really under underrated. I thought. Hmm. Have you read it? I've not. Yeah, no, it was it was good. No, it's unfortunate. Most of my um, uh, reading is like confined to like franchises, which is really yeah. sad. It's pretty. I sad. should be more of a snob. Well, Neil Stevenson did also do like a franchise, a series of books um, <laughs> that you could call a franchise about like um, like the invention of money in the Middle Ages. Um, cool. I think it's a total of like two thousand pages. Uh, so you could get into that. Yeah. All right. So um, what else is... Uh, another thing we didn't touch on is um, the agonizers. Yeah, that's... Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's fun. Anything to say about the agonizers? I like how um, uh, Lorca's voice is like hoarse in the scenes where he's talking to Burnham just because he's been screaming so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder how, as an actor, he um, got his voice to be that way. Did he just scream a whole lot before going on set? Probably. It's probably actually kind of hard on his voice to do, like, the Lurka accent. If you compare it to his hmm. British accent, it's like... Smooth, much received more, pronunciation. Yeah, it's much more gruff in general. Yeah. I think. Well, that's probably what did it then. Yeah, Not the screaming. Like, had to like overdo it a little bit. He had to uh, he had to do the the Scotty accent in the oh, in yeah, the previous that was, episode. That was good. That was really good. <laughs> what a funny moment! Mm-hmm. 
kind of reminded um, me of Scotty from Star Trek, the original series. Yeah, a little bit. A little mm. bit. I wonder if that was on purpose. Uh, so this episode was directed by TJ Scott, who I'm just going to type into Wikipedia right now because I don't actually know who he is. Oh, he's a former stuntman. And he's Whoa. from Canada. And he worked on Orphan Black. Have you seen Orphan Black? I have. Yeah, it's pretty good. Cool. I've not I, seen it. I um, haven't really gotten into it completely, but I'd like to watch it at some point. Hmm. So um, that's that's probably how he got the gig. Was because uh, they they seem to be like shopping around the like the other like sci-fi like the people from the Expanse were involved. Was that like a Brian Fuller show? I don't think so. Orphan Black. No, no, no the Expanse. Oh, The Expanse. No, maybe. I've I've never heard of it. Hmm. I just... Oh, uh, well, it's it's another Netflix show that... um, It's kind of similarly controversial to Discovery. People seem to either love it or hate it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. I'm not uh, saying any familiar names in the production uh, crew. The Expanse uh, podcast is an an old... Oh, sure. It's in my Netflix list. I haven't Mm -hmm. watched it. The Netflix list podcast. Oh, it's got Shori Agdashlu in it. I love her. Hmm. That's that's relevant and interesting. Yeah. Fundamentally. Well, she was in Star Trek Beyond. Hmm. She played the Admiral. Huh. Who they, they cut in with reshoots because hmm. the story didn't make sense or something. Hmm. Yeah. So this episode has a 14-minute cold open. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. I didn't notice like, the exact duration, but it did seem a little, a little long. Yeah, I was, I was counting the precise seconds. Um, wow, what's the deal with that? Well, it's always a little bit longer too, because you have to do the last time on, and then the cold open. But I guess hmm. you're not counting that, right? No, I was counting. It was in the timestamp on the, on okay. the Netflix. Well, that um, extends it. Sure, by a minute. Yeah, thirteen um, minute cold open plus. One minute recap. Yeah. Uh, and they, they they skipped cold opens for for some of the previous episodes in the in the previous half. Um, but uh, uh, I guess they're just doing it all at once now. Yeah. Oh, they had a lot to, lot to, lot of uh, place setting to get to. Mm. Hey, so can you answer me a question, yes. Byron? Why was there no security recording in the med bay where? Uh, Dr. Kolber was, like, brutally murdered. Yeah, I would have thought there would have been. And, like, as a matter of course, they probably would be recording every moment that happened in every public space on the ship at all times. Mm. Easily. Um, But, uh, I guess because it was, you know, they just jumped to conclusions and it seemed clear to them that it was uh, Stamets that murdered his lover. Yeah, a, a crazy mushroom a, man. Perhaps in a lover's quarrel. Mm, yeah, Actually, panic defense. I think that's something that we didn't talk about, which is interesting to talk about, that uh, uh. our friend from My So-Called Life, whose name I forget, is now dead. Yeah, sadly deceased. That was, uh, that was gut-wrenching. Yeah. Uh, were you surprised that they t- uh, murdered this character? I was. I didn't think that they would introduce two fucking gay characters in order to have like one killed off within like three episodes. No, we could do is we could rescue his straight 
um, his straight version from the oh, universe. Yeah. Then and then give him straight. some conversion therapy. Yeah, and then like um, he can just be like, "Hey guys, uh, I'm, a stri- <laughs> I'm a straight man." Wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, you want to play some foosball? Yeah, but then it's like that could still just be like a just a rough and tumble kind of bear kind of guy, right? So yeah. One one shouldn't stereotype. It takes, a, it takes all types yeah. to make a world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we get to see Andorians and Tellarites for the first time in this one. I don't actually remember Tellarites. I guess they must have been in the original series at some point. Were they the ones uh, that looked like uh, warthogs? Yeah. Yeah. They kind of look like Predator. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, the Andorians, it's difficult to forget. Yeah, because they're like the classic alien-looking thing. The tentacles. They look kind of like the, the... They look kind of like the Andalites from Animorphs. Not, uh, not familiar with that. <laughs> That's a sci-fi series that I've, um, that I've read. I've seen, like... Um, like memified versions of the, uh, the covers. Yeah, that's the same thing, where, pretty much. Where, like somebody's morphing into something stupid. Mm-hmm. No, it is the same thing. It's called Animorphs. Yeah. yeah. Um. Um. Uh, so, Stamets having some like medical issues, uh, and Tilly, because she works in his department in the engineering with the fungus. Uh, she thinks that she's better placed to to like make him better than the doctors, mm-hmm. which is an interesting take. Yeah, uh, first well, of all, turns out that she's sort of right. Yeah, it turns out that her solution is to just plug more spores into him, which doesn't seem to me to be a good way of like bringing him back into like the here and now of this universe. Yeah, well, seems like a good way to make him even more airy fairy off in the space. It seems like something that I would have tried, like without any mm. education. Just like, um, all right, let's just, mm. just put some more of these spores in. Let's try let's the more spores. So yada mm. yada yada. It's like spores got us here. Let's see what the spores do. We got all these spores. Mm. So um, might as well. It appears that he has some spores in, like some, some. Uh, what are they called? Uh, mycelial network tendrils in his brain which are extending into another dimension correct yeah which is a real shame for him um and it, uh it, it uh i guess it means that all, all of his brain is working on on stuff that's not here and so he can't use the brain parts mm-hmm. to be here it's hinted that he knew what was going on in the mirror oh yeah that's right thing, yeah because he called tilly captain and, yeah. Um, he kept talking about the forest and the palace, correct? Yeah, and the palace and the enemy. We don't know what the uh, palace is. Presumably the forest was that sort of fungus forest we saw at the end where he encountered the uh, presumably straight of himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. What a fun direction for the series yeah. to go. So who knows? Who knows what's going to happen next? Your guess is as good as mine. So uh, my guess is that um, we'll uh, ev- 
eventually learn that that uh, Lorca is actually Mirror Lorca and he's got some secret agenda. Mm-hmm. Probably wants to like usurp the Emperor or something. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll have some more fun with the rest of the gang. One would think that maybe Lorca's goal would for the Terran Empire to extend into all dimensions, ultimately. Mm, that like could be fun. Yeah. evil. Because yeah. you can sort of picture the Terran Empire as like this uh, sort of like galactic virus, right? Like, like they're sort of mm-hmm. spreading across the universe, destroying all the other um, creatures, which is, um, you know, something that could happen, I guess. Um, yeah, they've raised like, the stakes. Yeah, then it's like, okay, now let's even go further and start spreading out into all the different mm. existences. Because Burnham is trying to do the opposite thing. She's kind of trying to spread some Federation-style values right. uh, into the universe by learning how to negotiate with Klingons. Mm-hmm. She even um, professes a uh, some degree of... Uh, affinity with or alliance with the uh, sort of makeshift federation that the Klingons and Andorans have formed and Vulcans, yeah. etc. It's a like it's a it's a tricky question because the easy way would be to say, well, it's an alternate universe, nothing to do matters here. We can, you know Well one could even argue that the Prime Directive could be interpreted in such a way as that you might want to leave whatever is going on in a given universe. <laughs> The way it's actually going on in that universe, and not interfere, right? Even yeah, unless it threatens all right. realities. But it's like the prime directive tends to apply to non-warp civilizations. But mm. even when, when you're talking about different universes, then the even warp-capable civilizations are sort of uh, native to that space, right? Mm. That's that's true. So. Um, Saru is a slave. Oh, yeah. That's too bad, huh? And she lies about it to him. Yeah. I, I'm not sure how I feel about her lying to him. Like, they're both scientists, right? Well, he lies to her as well. They both don't want to distract each other. Like, he doesn't tell her about the murder of Dr. Kolber. Yeah. So I, I'd say they, they kind of have pure motives here. They're just trying not to needlessly distract the other so that they can work efficiently. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll allow it. The lying's okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I th- do you think we covered this? So I think far? we covered this. Yeah. I am loving this new direction for the series, even if it's taking way too long to discover things that we already know. Yeah. Um, I hope they invite Mr. Frakes back to direct future episodes because he's clearly good at it. So I guess long term, like, I think one mm. of the points of speculation sort of heading into the the uh, mid-season premiere was whether or not this was going to sort of fundamentally alter the trajectory of the show and put them in a different space entirely, which it has, but it seems like they're working towards a fix for that. So I guess yeah. the longer-term question is, do you think that they're going to end up back in the primary timeline, or is, yeah. is this going to be a sort of a Sliders series from here on yeah, out? Yeah, well... Um, I remember before the series aired, the rumor going around was that we'd be dealing with trans-dimensional realities, which, you know, he- here we are. Um, right. But uh, is it reality singular or realities plural? I think uh, w- what will end up happening is that we'll still have a show that leads into the old 
Kirk and Spock that you know and love um, because like the, the showrunners know that that's what people want to see. They don't want to see like some other reality that doesn't make sense. But just we're using this trans-dimensional reality thing as a way of raising the stakes and perhaps uh, kind of opening things up a little bit so you can do some things that you couldn't do just with a straight prequel. But that leads back into all those sort of problematic questions that were raised when... About the spore drive. Right. Like, where did all... Why did nobody know about this stuff? And, like, yeah, Uh, why didn't uh, they have spore drives? And It was... I think we can probably say it's going to be suppressed because the trans-dimensional capabilities are just too much, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Man. I guess we'll see. Mm. See where it goes. Mm. All right. Uh, do you want to talk about um, the USS Callister? I would love to talk about the USS Callister. Okay. So this is a the the premiere of the fourth season of, of Black Mirror. Um, yeah. Have, have you ever seen any of Black Mirror before? Yes. I've seen almost all of it up to this episode. I haven't watched any beyond that. Um, I think mm-hmm. I've seen all of it up to this this episode. I have seen none of it. This is my um, entry point into the anthology series. I, th- I think this is actually a pretty bad entry point to the series. It's, I think it's worth yeah. watching from the point of view of it being a Star Trek parody, but I don't think it's a very exemplary episode mm. of Black Mirror. Um, I say that... I hear it's more comedic. It's a little bit more comedic. I think that one of my complaints about it was that there are some elements to it which are very similar to another episode, at least in terms of the sort of the underlying um, sort of subject, like... Yeah, there was a, an episode about a guy the, uh, who makes people play games or something no well yes but there's also an episode um with john ham uh-huh it's a christmas episode um Mm. and it's about a world where basically you can sort of replicate somebody's consciousness within a computer Mm. And it's very, like, ethically problematic, but they don't seem to understand Gosh. that in this universe, and they basically turn them into these little slaves that run the household. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the way they get them to run the household is to, like, torture them um, by basically turning up the the speed of time in the virtual space that they live in to, like... Huh. Th- basically, they can, they can manipulate the way the virtual entity experiences time so they'll say like okay you need to run the toaster now and they say well i don't want to because i'm an independent independent entity and then they'll say okay mm-hmm. well uh get back i'll come back to you in six months and we'll see what you say and they click a button yeah. and six months immediately go by and they come back and like basically it's, they've been sitting in this empty room for six months doing nothing truly uh, ripped from the headlines right so Mere seconds into the future but the the point of that was that like the, the I don't know what the is there if there's a word for the sort of the kernel of um, observation within a science fiction story like the the thing that you're trying to sort of sh- shine a light on. Um, mm. Just but, the central uh, premise. It's pretty pretty similar to sort of the ethical implications of creating these conscious entities within the game of the Callister, correct? Yeah. But um. But it's, it's fun because you have everyone in Star Trek uniforms. Yeah. 
so I guess we should get, get to saying like that's the premise here, right? Like we're mm. in a future where um, there's a video game developer who has created sort of a immersive um, virtual reality consciousness um, altering video game experience, right? Mm-hmm. You plug your brain into. Yeah. Um, I appreciated uh, a lot of the like production design elements. That's obviously vital when you're doing a science fiction show. Um, so in this one, they they like have three like phases of the of the reality where they have like a, a four by three, you know, not standard definition, but like uh, kind of grainy, I guess. Um, uh, look to the the first vignette, which mm-hmm. kind of looks like an old TV show. Yeah. Um, I think it actually looks more 70s than 60s, but like, hey, it's not exactly Star Trek, so that's fine. Yeah. Uh, and then they they go to a widescreen, more detailed view, which apparently is meant to look more like the like the motion picture and and the subsequent movies. And then the last bit is supposed to look like J.J. Abrams with all the, the lens flares. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows the fucking lens flares. But I actually thought that um, uh, it was looking pretty Abrams in the middle there. Yeah. I didn't notice any of that, but I that's a good uh, observation. Yeah. Um, and, th- and they make a lot of, like, Abrams references. Like, there's a, there's a bit where... Um, the, the guy from Westworld uh, is running through a corridor saying, I can fix this, which is a thing that Mr. Chekhov does in like Star Trek Into Darkness or mm-hmm. or maybe even the first one. I forget. Right. Uh, and uh, the, the bad guy, Valdak, he has this like improbably huge gun, just like Benedict Cumberbatch did as Khan in mm-hmm. Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah. So this is weird that they take these things from from there. I didn't pick up on any of that, but it was probably just like, you know, fairly superficial um, research they did. (laughs) I guess. It was sort of like, I mean, it was sort of like a yada yada Star Trek. Let's face it. It was like they had the costumes, they had sort of like generic villains, and it it was almost supposed supposed to be like sort of pathetic and childish and like almost like the outsider's perspective of what Star Trek yeah. is, right? Yeah. Like, cause, cause uh, yeah, with what's his name? The, uh, the, uh, main antagonist, um, who sort of begins the as the oh, antagonist, the, the, the story antagonist or the in-universe yeah. antagonist, the story antagonist, uh, Mr. Um, Captain Callister? Daly. No, Daly. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Callister. Um, he uh, he is not a good guy, and we're not supposed to like no. him, right? <laughs> so it's sort no. of like it's sort of like they sort of cast the whole Star Trek, um, or like quasi Star Trek, uh, um, crew crew, or you know, the, the like the the property itself within this universe oh, yeah. is sort of sort of lame and nerdy and like this guy's uh-huh. like a lame nerd because um you know like uh like like because he he's like a huge loser in real life and uh-huh. and uh he has this like just this thing he escapes to but then it's like filled with his like insecurities and toxic masculinity uh-huh. and so on yeah 
Yeah, well, that's uh, that's probably the more relevant part. Like here, I am getting bogged down in the details of the production, but uh, this is a post Weinstein uh, program that we're dealing with here. Yeah. Do you think it actually is post Weinstein or? Uh, no, but that's that's how people have been interpreting it. Yeah. Um, Interesting uh, it was good timing, like because certainly they probably wrote it, you know, two years ago or something. But it is mm, yeah, um, right at, just at the right time. Yeah, the, the, like the abuse of male power is the like central motif, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it's an effective vehicle. Yeah, it's interesting how uh, basically it's it's um, it plays out entirely within this sort of um, in this in this show that it's mm-hmm. not actually happening. Well, actually, I just remember that the CEO is like. A uh, a harasser, basically. The uh, Westworld guy. It's implied heavily that he's like having sex with all of his employees. So. Oh yeah. You remember that? <laughs> I haven't seen Westworld. No, but I mean, like in this show. This show. Oh yeah. The, the, um. There's a uh, a scene where the horror looking lady, um, is like kind of saying you know oh she's she's kind of giving the what is it the the shit mail list yeah uh that that like paste bin list or whatever that um women send around in in is it in journalism or whatever um she's giving like the oral version of that and it kind of comes across more as um cattiness than as Mm -hmm. actually like warning a fellow woman about like a like a pervy boss yeah um but uh yeah yeah we have um uh clear clear instances of um uh male abuses of power yeah but it's interesting how that you have got like these two um heads of the company one is like this alpha and he's actually acting out this inappropriate behavior in reality where the other yeah. is uh basically completely sublimating it in, in a total yeah. loser in reality but like he still has to fill his fantasy scape with this sort of abuse, abusive mm. power. And he's, yeah. And by virtue of using sentient characters in his computer yeah. game, he's actually enacting real abuse, which is, seems a little bit unnecessary, doesn't it? Given what he's actually, yeah, it does. Uh, I, I guess the goal was to torture, um, his partner, uh, initially, but it, yeah. it seems like, I, I guess he just started getting more and more sadistic and just sort of punishing. So, technology leads you down a dark path. Right. So how uh, do you think this compares to the Orville? <laughs> it's not even the same league, pal. This this is this is what a Star Trek parody should be doing. It should be like addressing like some sort of idea that's not just oh we'll all dress up in costumes and and play space you know it's it's like it's got something to say we're not right. there for no reason um i this this is what a star trek parody should be yeah have you heard the rumors that the um the director of this episode wants to do a spin-off series yeah i have uh heard that i'm not sure exactly what they would do what it would be like them cruising around in the video game i guess they would be in the video game now so it was basically this whole thing was a prelude to them now being sort of free 
in this video game universe, whether or not um, the sort of evil guy whose name I again forget. <laughs> Daily. <laughs> whether or not Daily would somehow escape the um, the game he got stuck in and like start being the like series antagonist or mm-hmm. if it would just be a totally different like premise from there on out. I think it would there... be it would be different because I, I understand he starved to death because he put a do not disturb sign on his right. apartment. Yeah. yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah, he starved to death very quickly. You'd think that after the game deleted they would like shut down his, his head piece and he could just like take it off. That's true. Yeah. You would think that would but I mean like he's sort of tinkering with this stuff um, in an off the off the grid kind of way, so it, it might be like all kind of sketch. Mm, maybe. But his demise sort of um, was akin to the the sort of um, the twist at the end of the uh, the mm-hmm. uh, Christmas episode that I mentioned earlier that I w- yeah. that I will not spoil for you. But it was hoist. Hoist by his own petard. Yeah. Um. Um, hey, uh, why, why can't if he ha- uploads the DNA into the video game, why can't he just save the DNA? Why does he have to re-upload it yeah. and keep it in a fridge? I, that, that didn't make any sense to me. Because the episode wouldn't work then. Is it possible that it's like um, it would be too voluminous, <laughs> like too large? Voluminous. Too, too much volume. Oh, sure. Like, you can only upload it once, the, one the time. Word. Yeah. Because, well, mm-hmm. like, I mean, like, DNA has a lot of information in it. So, like, yeah, maybe it's just easier to keep the DNA as DNA to store the information than it is to save it onto, a, like, a, a stack stack of floppy disks. disks. Mm-hmm. It seems that if they have, like, virtual reality, that they probably have good enough computers to save that much information. Um, yeah, the solution to me, it seems to be, is to invent better computers. Yeah. Um, uh, with the the little uh, the twist with the nude photos that the woman has saved, I thought it. Um, I I I just sensed that there was going to be like a furry twist to it. Like I thought that these <laughs> photos weren't just going to be straight nudes because, like, I mean, I guess people care if their nudes get leaked, but like, like. I thought we were going to get like, oh, she's like into something really weird. Yeah, yeah, we, we're almost at a point where if like nudes gets leaked, get leaked, gets leaked, nudes get leaked. Um, yeah, it's like there, there's like a shared in- indignation for the person, not like, right. You, you, you're you were naked at some point. Like, who would leak this? Like, what, what, what douchebag is doing this to you? Yeah. So yeah, that that was a little bit flimsy, I guess. Mm. Could be embarrassing. Would you, would you um, break into your boss's house if someone threatened to leak nude photos of you? No. No. Oh, okay. Well, that's I mean, uh, like, that's a little implausible then, I guess. There's an episode of um, Seinfeld where Elaine mm-hmm. sends a Christmas card where her nipple is exposed in a very. <laughs> Um, I think I've seen that one, but like yeah. a long, long time ago. And it's like, <laughs> it's embarrassing, but it's not like, oh my god, this is the mm-hmm. worst thing that's ever happened. Like, you know, yeah, you, you, you got to laugh it off at some point. Hmm. Um. Do you think that Captain Daly's in universe hair? Because like his real hair is this kind of like thinning, 
and mm -hmm. th then his in universe hair is like very thick and wavy. Do you think it's a, a hairpiece? Um, for the actor. Yeah, or did they just like do his hair better? No, I th I don't think I think I think the the uh, thinning hair is more the prosthesis than the oh, okay. uh, full hair. Because like yeah, sure. Uh, I forget his name. The actor's name. Uh, the actor's name is Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons. He was in um, Breaking Bad. Yeah. Friday Night Lights and Fargo. He was in a season of Fargo wow. as well. Did you just pull that up out of your brain? Yeah. Gosh, no that's yep. That's all on the wiki that I, I learned. I know Plemons. I know my that's, Plemons. That's that's really yeah. cool. I think um he's. Like he does, like a kind of Shatner impression, but it's the Shatner from the TV show, not the Shatner from the movies. Right. And it's really good. I, um, yeah, he probably studied the TV show for his mm -hmm. uh, acting lessons, but I um, watched you know, the uh, show to know what the distinction between the movie Shatner and the TV Shatner would be. Oh, you don't know the difference? No. It's just like movie Shatner is a bit like broader and he's like aging and. But, yeah. um, like, there's a reason that the character was so successful on the TV show, and it's because, like, Shatner sells it. Yeah. So, like, the, the movie Shatner's, like, like a, an old Jewish guy at, like, in, at, like, a buffet, sort of shouting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a double dumbass on you! <laughs> but, the, but the series is more the, like, famous, like, halting, really super dramatic, like, um... Well, he's he's not like super ham all the time. So it's like people kind of forget. Like he he's like very authoritative, and you you think like, oh yeah, this this guy could be my boss. I would like mm -hmm. do what he says. Like he seems like he he knows what he's talking about. Right. Um. And it's 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 something that like the other captains kind of sell pretty well as well. I think like um, uh, Kate Mulgrew probably in particular. Yeah. It's just like a quality that you have to have to play that sort of role. I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so there's actually a quote from uh, Seth MacFarlane that says that mm -hmm. um, basically they're, you know, they got a they got the green light for a second season of the Orville, which will probably mm -hmm. arrive in 2019. Uh, oh, great! But he said that he wants to bring it more into the sci-fi, hard sci-fi territory. <sighs> I think it's too late for that. It seems <laughs> silly to be like, hey, we're going to do like, you know, 45% family guy, uh, you know, whatever, 55% uh, Star, Star Trek The Next Generation for season yeah. one. And then kind of, we're like, how, we're, how, like, how much fewer family guy jokes could you do where it's bizarre that they're there at all, right? It's, uh, like this was his plan from the start. Like he never wanted to do a comedy show. He just pitched it that way so that they would, you know, eat it up. Mm -hmm. And he always wanted to have his own show where he's Captain Kirk and he goes on fucking adventures. Yeah. It's so like, come on, come on guy. <laughs> so it's, so just get rid of all the jokes altogether. Like, see, the problem is the, if the you get suck. rid of all the jokes, the jokes suck, but the sci-fi underneath in the Orville of the one episode that I saw mm -hmm. was was garbage as well. Like, yeah. it didn't make it's any really sense. Weak. It's weak. It's just like, you know, like, we just made it up and... I My biggest problem with the Orville is that the there's, mm. like, a robot character. 
and I, I feel that his eyes are in the wrong place. Huh. If you just take a look at that. I forget the name of the character. I think it's like Isaac. Isaac, yeah. L- l- take, take a look. Take a look at that, and imagine where the actor's eyes would be, and where Isaac's eyes are. Well, wouldn't he see out of somewhere other than the eyes? Yeah. Well, that's what sort of bothers me about it. You know, like why would you put the eyes there? It's like it's like, like it's sort of like a child's child's drawing of a head. You just put the eyes like where you think they might be. Like they're a little bit too high. <laughs> Did you Google it? Yeah, I did. Uh, too high, okay. Right? Yeah, this is a this is a show uh, killing flaw. They're like they're on his forehead. Hmm. That's not where his eyes should be. It bothers. Do you think the actor can see out of the mask, or he just has to deal with being blind, and then they take it off between takes? I don't think he has to see. Yeah, he doesn't walk around, does he? Yeah. It's, it's, he's a terrible character. Yeah, but he's he's no data. He's just like a data stand-in, but it's like super generic. Like the data stand-in you would have on a quick parody of mm. a Star Trek show in within yeah. another show that would be that, over yeah. in five, five that minutes. It doesn't get picked know. up for multiple seasons. Yeah. But, um, He's not even Crichton, the, the butler android. No. Yeah, the butler Crichton was... Oof. <laughs> oh. uh, I think I probably had more to say about this show, but I forget now. Uh, one other thing that I would like to discuss with you on this Star Trek-related podcast is, hey, have you heard that there's a new Star Trek movie with Quentin Tarantino? That's right. We haven't talked about that yet. Uh, I have heard My that. God. It seems um, crazy. Mm-hmm. It also seems like an interesting um, further continued rift between television and Star Trek and movie Star Trek, where mm-hmm. you you have to think that like if Tarantino is getting involved, that's not going to be picking up the J.J. Abrams timeline, and it's not mm. going to be necessarily the like primary timeline. Or if it is, it's still going to be pretty significantly different from what they're showing now in I think, um, Discovery, right? I think they have all those actors under contract still, and like. You know they're they're pretty well liked. Like I like Chris Pine, mm-hmm. he's great. Um, uh, so the, they'll probably keep it that. I think uh, it makes more sense than it would first appear, because uh, like they're not in a real good place right now with Star Trek movies. Like I think Into Darkness underperformed, but then you know Beyond bombed, and mm-hmm. people basically thought, well, there's not going to be another Star Trek movie after this. Uh, so you know what do you do? Uh, when your franchise is like flagging and people don't care anymore, well, you know, lower budget and you you rev it up and get people like angry and crazy with like a, a crazy decision like, wow, we'll get Quentin Tarantino to do an R-rated one. Mm-hmm. And so that way, yeah. you know, they'll try and do like Deadpool. Yeah, you know? you're probably right. I wonder um, what um, like, uh, but I just, I just wonder, like it's hard to imagine Tarantino coming in with some kind of vision, but then having to like necessarily use the same chess pieces that were set up in the last movie, which was not very well received. Right? That's what I'm wondering. Like, are they just uh, well, going to it again? The movie was well received by uh, critics and by fans, but it just it didn't get that like non-fan audience. Yeah, that's, that's what I meant. Like financially, right. 
not well received. Well financially received. Yeah. Um, uh, look, I would be lying if I said I knew what he's going to do, um, but uh, I'll go and see it. Yeah, I'll see it too. I just hope um, they, uh, the, like, like he's got to be done with like having the N word in his movies, right? I mean, like, oh. it's enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think we left that word in like the the twentieth century. Yeah, I mean, like Django Unchained, I guess made sense because it was like within the period Slavery. and mm-hmm. like accurate to the time, and also like really evil. But it's like having like white characters casually say it. It's like, come on, can't do that anymore. Yeah, you shouldn't have done it. No. Before. Well, I'm I'm sure he'll he'll give that up as a concession to the studio it's probably like, like the script's probably like riddled with n words in like the first draft yeah um you're gonna have to cut those out uh 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 what was i gonna say i think you were gonna say i think we just about covered everything we just about covered everything oh yeah do you remember in kill bill do you remember the opening of kill bill um yes with, uh, opens with the Klingon proverb, right? Yeah. Which was I forget what the proverb was. <laughs> revenge, revenge is a dish best served cold. Is that um, really a Klingon proverb? It's a it's a line from the Wrath of Khan. But like, it existed before that, right? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. So yeah, clearly, clearly he's been into Trek yeah. for a while. It's no surprise. But it would, but it would seem like probably because he's really into like retro, sort of sixties, seventies era, um, kind of trashy mm-hmm. entertainment, like uh, exploitation movies and things like that. So you would assume that like a lot of his Star Trek. Affection is rooted in the original series, right? I would say so, yeah. Which is and probably fine because yeah. the current series of films is a reboot of that series, but mm-hmm. it kind of makes you wonder stylistically how he would approach it if he would sort of mm-hmm. try to actually do some kind of like actual sort of sci fi period piece or something like that, where you're trying to mm-hmm. actually do a modern version, but continue mm. to like use the old costumes and things like that yeah he he doesn't like shoot on digital does he he shoots on like 70 millimeter for a lot of his movies yeah if i recall correctly i think that's that'll yeah, be that's weird true. um uh i've looked up the expression that there's a best surf cold uh the french diplomat charles maurice de talleyrand perigord has been credited with the saying except he mm. said it in french uh, but right. this is without supporting detail, so perhaps uh, uh, it was it was best in the original Klingon. Makes sense that it's a French expression since it's about like cuisine. We're so obsessed with cuisine, mm. you know, like butter sauces and snails, yeah. right? It is it is in their nature. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, I think we I think we covered this. I think we've we've covered the Tarantino thing. Covered this is where Trek is right now. Yeah, we covered the um, most recent two episodes of uh, Discovery, so I think we we can call this right. We can call it. Yeah, call it done. Take a fork in this, a batleth. We'll uh, right. 
we will definitely see you next week. Yeah, so with the next what episode. Is the, what is the next episode? Uh, well, I'll tell you. The next episode is scrolling down, scrolling down. Uh, vaulting ambition. Okay. I don't know what that could mean. Probably like mm. something to do with the mirror universe, right? Oh, it's a it's a reference to a line from Macbeth. I have no spur to prick the sides of my intent, but only vaulting ambition, which overleaps itself and falls on the other. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so it's self-explanatory. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I can't promise that we won't have to do like a compressed episode of the, like this again because of the baby stuff, but. I'm hoping, I'm optimistic that I can carve out some time for vaulting ambitious. Ambitious and vaults. Vaulting. Look forward to it. Vault. vault ambitious. So, uh, thanks, James, for doing this. It's been a lot of fun. Big hoot. Great times. Thank you. And, um, folks at home, thanks for tuning in, and check us out next time on Tektra Discovery. And the other stuff. Bye. Bye.